And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindegaard making Forrest back pedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Glovers Cast. I'm Ben. Um, I need a bit of help today. Uh, Ian and Dave are out in the far-flung corners of the country, and in Dave's case, uh, far-flung corners of the globe. We've got to talk about your table topping, 11 points clear. Champions elect, by the way. I just want to clear that one up nice and early on the social medias today. It's elect, elect in the chant. And I need some help. So I've called upon a man who was at the game against Barnborough yesterday in a very professional capacity. He was sat alongside Ian Randall in the BBC commentary booth. Liam McGuinn, how are you doing? Good, sir. Yeah, good, thank you. Uh, Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm good. I'm going to throw you under the bus here now. Oh, no. Can you tell the good listeners why you're five minutes late to this Zoom call, please? (laughs) It's a bit embarrassing. It's it's embarrassing. Um, No, it was completely my fault. It was all scheduled, eight o'clock. And I was driving home um, on... Way back from KFC, so uh, KFC yeah. popcorn chicken. Yeah, we yeah. we have to succumb to the popcorn chicken. It's a disgrace, quite frankly. But I'm <laughs> willing to forgive you. It's fine because we've also got an extra pair of hands here. He was there yesterday in a thoroughly unprofessional capacity. It was in the away end with plenty of ciders along the way. Elliot Watts, Wattsy, welcome back, mate. How you doing, bud? Hello. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Looking forward to this one after a fantastic day yesterday. So you were probably quite merry throughout all of it. We know about Liam's timekeeping. So I thought, well, we're going to need an extra pair of hands. We're going to need, well, specifically an extra pair of feet in this one. Um, welcome back to the Glover's cast to a gentleman who joined us pre-season on the big season preview. And as soon as that second goal went in, I just knew we needed him on. Genuine pleasure to welcome the goal-scoring man of the moment, Alex Fisher, back to the podcast. Fish, how are you doing good, sir? How's your Sunday? Yeah, very good, thank you. And thanks for such a, a very warm introduction there. Uh, yeah, lovely Sunday. Uh, very, very restful with the game from obviously yesterday and then tomorrow. So not too much on the agenda today, bar a few little family tasks. Very nice indeed. We normally like to do this quite structured. We'll go through team news, we'll go pre-match, we'll do it all in some sort of chronological order. But quite frankly, the other two aren't here to rein me in. So that all goes out the window. There is only one place to start and that is about an hour in to the game the score is one nil to the Glovers we need a second goal we need someone to give us a little bit of breathing room be honest with us Alex please mate how did that tap in from three yards feel did it feel like one of the best goals you've ever scored in your life yeah honestly I was it it was one of the nicest half seconds between leaving the foot and knowing it was going in because it was so close um I could ever have asked for and to be honest when you've been out for so long um to have such a for the first goal or for the opportunity to be one you can't really miss uh, I've always gone oh, I've never I've never had a heck of a lot of luck for the ball bouncing in the right spots for me sometimes and I was so fortunate that the ball literally rolled to my feet three or four yards out and I was more than happy to do my bit and and put it in um and a big shout out to Sam Pearson who uh 
latched on to the to the I can't remember if it was a bit of a defensive mix up down the their left hand side I think and um, yeah good ball across the front tad fortunate that the ball managed to to reach me past a couple of bodies and um, yeah honestly one of the best moments I think I saw some of the footage back today and I think you can just see there's a second after we have a little embrace the classic embrace with the assister um, but. I just looked up up to the sky and just thought, ah, oh, what what a what a relief! And for me, a culmination of, I mean, months of of serious serious graft. And it it also wasn't just like a consolation goal; it meant something in the context of the fixture. And it was right in front of quite a significant away following. I mean, I couldn't have asked for a for a better moment. And um, really, almost teared up on the walk back. So um, yeah, really really proud moment for me there. Did it feel I, like your goal yesterday was that like accumulation of everything since the injury last season? That one defining moment, if you're gonna wrap it up, put it in the Netflix documentary and say, Bosh, here you go. That felt like the moment yesterday. And like say it was a massive goal as well. We needed another one. Yeah, I mean, some I, if it was like an absolute worldie, I'd be like, Yeah, okay. But because it was a it was a it was a tough, you almost feel a bit like I hope it's not an anti-climax to everyone else that, you know, when they see, like, it's when you just see your name, you don't know if it's an amazing goal or, you know, but to me, that was as good a goal as I could ever have asked for. And yeah, it was all those sort of months of of, of hard work, um, had a little bit of a loan spell in between, try and get some minutes, you know, you sort of in, your outs, um, And then to, yeah, yeah, to score, it's, um, it, it's, it's a great feeling. And um, I was... I was very grateful for the for the staff, the manager to, you know, trust me, to put me on, to have me start a game. Uh, teams winning games a lot, you know, and it's hard to introduce rotation when a club, when a team's performing so well. So to to get a look in, I was very grateful. And um, yeah, it was a first start for, well, a long time by the Bath game. And um, yeah, to score on it, it it's great. Like you... When you're coming off the bench, you're kind of relying on a bit of luck for the ball to find you. Whereas you start a game, you've got a, you like to think you've got probably 60 minutes minimum for an opportunity to fall your way. Then it's up to you to take the opportunity. So to have that extra time on the pitch um, to allow the moment to happen was, um, yeah, I was very grateful for. I feel like, I, I mean, unless my maths has completely failed me, the South End game on the 1st of April will be, as people are listening to this, 338 days ago. Your last goal in Green and White was 394 days ago. That little look to the sky, was there as much relief in that feeling for just that second of it's all over, that, that monkey's off the back? 100%, yeah, I think that's what it is. It was, it was a mixture of all sorts, but... It's like right, okay, I can I can move past it. The first hurdle was to walk again. The next hurdle was to jog again. The next hurdle was to pass the ball again, and so on. All these little steps. Then it was to get in the team, to come off the bench, to try and score or get an you know assist. They're all the and I think the yeah, the goal is by far obviously the the last one in the in the catalogue of things that you try and tick off as you come back from a long term injury, um, and almost had it the week before um, at Chelmsford. Almost had it actually in my first game back at Welling if it wasn't for a for a good save. Um, and um, those are the sort of things that people might easily forget. But when you're the one experiencing it, you remember all the opportunities you've had along the way. Um, so yeah, it was uh, relief is definitely a part of it because now you feel you go into the next series of fixtures going, I don't have to worry about that anymore. I can actually focus on being more me than a bit rigid and a bit robotic. And I defy 
any pro to say they're not human like it's it's you go through the same emotions as you would if you're anyone else you know just because you're playing full-time for a, a great club like yoga doesn't mean you're, you're not a human being so um yeah relief was definitely a big part of the emotions that i felt on uh well 24 hours ago i that's such an interesting way of putting it and i i know that you've had a few chances i think we've all seen them over the last sort of couple of months where you, the ball might have just skim past your foot in front of the Thatchers on a Tuesday night. I remember that one quite well. Um, has there been any points over the last year where you thought, this is really hard, like, am I going to score a goal again? As deep of a question as that is, did that cross your mind at all? No, it's a good question. Yeah, I, I think it I think it did. I, I think the more... I've been in periods of my career where I might not have scored as much as I want to, but I always felt like I was contributing in other ways. And when you don't start games you can't therefore do the same kind of level of contribution so to um there was a time I, I i kind of thought every week goals are going in at every level or every team i'm like come on surely one of these has got to fall to me uh, eventually so I, I never really lost the i never really lost the faith that uh, i would get an opportunity um so yeah i but it did it did certainly make me feel um perhaps a bit more nervous at times not so much when the ball the when the action's taking place on the field you don't um I don't feel nervous or anxious at the time but the the emotions around the game build up the night before I think oh, I was just going to be the one where I finally get get a chance or you know and then after the game if you haven't you go oh it's another one that I haven't contributed in in front of goal and um yeah there was an element that it was building up quite um quite a bit and I think it was about the right time I think given the amount of appearances I've been making in the last few weeks, even if some of them haven't been for the longest amount of time on the pitch. But I think it was about time that I did do that. <laughs> and I'm pleased that I I'm pleased that I did. Liam, can I can I bring you in here? And apologies if I'm if I'm throwing you under another bus on this podcast already, but you you, you did tweet that it's it was quite emotional for you. And and I know you and Alex have been working together and, and had a bit of time together and but you you became quite emotional on air. It's it's it was a big moment for you as well. And and that's not a, a bad thing in any way, shape, or form. What what were you feeling when that goal went in? Yeah, I felt like a proud dad, even though I'm probably half of Fisher's age. Um <laughs> because like you said, me and I feel like it's sort of a good time to say, but me and Fish have sort of been working on a a recovery sort of documentary for the last year. So me and Fish have been quite quite close, sort of going through the stages of the rehab and um, I've sort of seen Fish's steps. You know, I'm, I feel yeah, I feel like the little brother, realistically, um, being 18. But yeah, for me, me and Fish have had so many chats about you know this is the day and the final sort of stage um, was a goal, and it just felt like a relief off mine and Fish's shoulder. Obviously, a big release off uh, Fish's shoulders, but for the video sake, that was sort of the the icing on the cake. So. It was a really nice moment because obviously, like I said, the last year we've been working hard on this. So it was nice, really nice. God, that's an absolute scoop, is it? Well, how exciting. I, I think I think that's I think that's an exclusive. I think that's a scoop. I think we have uh, broken the internet there in one fell swoop. Uh, Liam, we've we we've seen it in the past. You're good at documentaries as well, mate. We're, we're gonna be quite excited by this. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about good. Um I I do. Half, half decent. Um, I don't know if I was allowed to say, but yeah, we're. Um, you just. It'll be a nice little documentary. It'll be a nice, a nice sort of year recap of the injury. I feel like it was sort of something that Fish wanted to document 
for himself, but I thought it would be a really nice thing to put out sort of to the public because, you know, Fish, I don't I hope you don't mind me saying Fish, but there was certain things that I thought were incredible, absolutely incredible. The, the whole frame itself and how it worked, you know, Fish was walking like two weeks, three weeks after his, after his operation. So after double, was it, was, is that correct, Fish? Am I wrong? Uh, no, no, but it was actually, um, yeah, because of the, the kit that I had on, on, and it's um the, the frame obviously it's um couldn't just get up and walk but I mean t- twelve hours after the operation I was weight bearing um and four to three days later I was able to very tentatively walk like sort of shuffle and I could not believe what I was experiencing um, so I kind of wanted to uh, when we Liam were discussing it we thought um not just for sportsmen anyone who has this kind of injury that has this kind of um, apparatus attached um or if you didn't know about it you would know that it, you know this is a chance for you to actually get your life back from what could be quite a serious very serious injury um yeah it just felt like it was worth worth documenting how do you feel about making liam emotional on air on bbc radio somerset he welled up he got all emotional for you how does that make you feel i mean yeah i heard it back as well which was um no it's nice as he said quite rightly he's been alongside a lot of this um he's been at some of my consultant meetings with the surgeons and their staff I've gone into the hospital to get you know the um the checkups that you have to get at certain stages um different levels of of rehab starting from just you know basic walking to an alter g machine which is a treadmill that takes some of the weight off of you so you can run at like 50 percent of your weight to allow you to just sort of progress very slowly um yeah so Liam's been along long uh, along the way the whole time so um I uh, I was touched that you were emotional, um, and um, yeah, I suppose you would have, you would have seen um, you'd have seen a lot more than um, most in terms of it's kind of like been been a partner along the way through uh, through a lot of this. So you would have experienced as, just as many emotions perhaps as I would have. I don't think you probably have would have had the chance to see it, but the actual outpouring of emotion in the way and just when you scored that goal yeah. was unbelievable. Uh, people were talking about the whole way home how happy they were that you got that goal i came in in from the gym uh this morning my wife was crying i thought something was wrong she'd watched hp source back and she was so happy that you scored a goal (laughs) that she got emotional yeah like it's had such an impact um and the chance that like i said you got that defining moment and that massive goal yesterday um just just makes it all the more better really so um, where you said about it being anticlimactic, it wasn't that at all. Oh no, so I that's a bit tongue in cheek in terms. Yeah, of, yeah, uh, yeah. Like it's it is a tap in, but uh, <laughs> they all count the same. No, honestly, that's um, I'm I'm really touched that you uh, you shared that because how would you know? Um, yeah, you know, to say it. So no, that's and I I didn't know I didn't know any of that. I I could feel it from the um from you know the celebrations and afterwards when you do the little you know three cheers thing, um. I got a real, really nice vibe, but you don't hear that. Yeah, and you don't you don't get a sense of what people are like outside of the ground. So um, no, thank you for sharing that. That's um, that's really nice. So I need to know, Ben, going completely off piece here, who put you forward for the free cheers? That's what I need to know straight. Well, so it was. I thought Witch should have done it because it's his first <laughs> goal. I'd already done one at Bath for my first start a few months ago. Yeah. Um, so uh, no one kind of says, "Oh, you're going to do it." It's just like, <laughs> the moment they go oh you scored you go and I 
I got pushed forward a little bit and I said, no, Wits, I think it's it's you. And he goes, no, 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 this is this is kind of your moment, um, which was really nice of him. Um, so, yeah, between him and a few of the, a few of the older players, Frank, Wimmer, Worthy and the like, um, I thought, well, yeah, why not then? If you're, I'd happily have <laughs> passed it to, um, to, to Wits, but he was, yeah, he was very generous to, to let me have uh, another moment on the field, which was, again, really, and I think that shows, you know, the kind of spirit we have as well. There's no, there's no like there's no one's big time there's no selfishness everyone's kind of thinking about the greater good they knew that would have meant something to me so they allow me to have that moment and it's not like well he could have said well I've scored I want my you know it was it's and I think that's a credit also to you know the type of people that the you know the the staff the managers got in as well that you have the right personalities and um those kind of things so it was yeah it was it was a lovely moment and yeah cheers wits for <laughs> letting me have one more moment in front of the fans Thank you for thank you for taking us behind sort of your side of things on on that goal because I think that's a, a side that I, I absolutely love to see and I think the inclusion of HP Source and the bits and pieces that we've had this season have really opened up a lot of people's eyes to what goes on a little bit behind the scenes. So genuinely, thank you so much, Alex, for for scoring that goal and then sharing your your feelings on that. I, I, if it's all right, I would like to rewind a bit because actually pre match. Mark Cooper spoke to Ian Randall and talked about your inclusion from the start. And he said he'd kept things very simple with you. You had specific, simple instructions. Stay between the goalposts and run at goal. Um, I'm imagining there might have been a touch more to it than that. How, when did you find out you were starting and were, were there anything more to those instructions? So, so we worked on certain things during the week and you never truly know if you're going to start until sometimes the day before, sometimes on the day, sometimes perhaps earlier in the week. It, it does change depending on fixtures, injuries, things like that. So there's loads of variables. But um, I had an inkling from uh, midweek that I would be certainly in contention for a start. Um, I think because I've always been kind of heart on sleeve, willing to run a lot, I can sometimes maybe run out of position once or twice. Um, I think the manager said, look, I don't want you coming short. I want you staying high and allow space for other people. Um, and we went through a few different scenarios of when the ball's in certain areas where he would like me to be positioned and when I'm here where he wants someone else to be positioned, all the sort of stuff that you'd, you'd imagine we would do. And um, yeah, the instructions were pretty simple, which was just just to stay high um, on this particular occasion. And um, I think actually at the time we did switch formations. So I actually scored playing on the coming in from the left wing. Um so I started the second half out on the left. Um, but we kind of all can interchange in those positions. Um, so, yeah, I certainly just thought you can't go far wrong when you're, as the gaffer was saying, uh, Marcus Stewart often would say to me, the most dangerous place is within the width of the goal in the box. <laughs> and chances are you'll get something. And um, lo and behold, that's where the ball went up when when I was able to poke poke it in. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I love the fact that you mentioned about Marcus Stewart. It still blows my mind that Marcus Stewart is imparting wisdom on our front line. Uh, Liam, before the game, you were obviously getting ready to be on, on BBC and thinking about the game. There is no way that Farnborough away was ever going to be an easy game, given the conditions of the pitch. Every other game within the vicinity of that football match was off due to waterlogging. In, in what, were you, what were you expecting pre-match? Were you expecting something slightly cagey or were you expecting us to really... Open the doors up. I don't know, really. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a weird one because I mean a lot of away trips this season have been a bit tit for tat. Really, we score one, they score one, and then sort of just trying to fight out for a winner. Um, 
But I feel like when we went 2-0 up, it was really comfortable. Obviously, the first five, ten minutes, Farnborough looked quite decent. They looked like they were going to uh, maybe snatch one and then Sonny with a great goal. And Sam Pearson was brilliant, by the way. Um, his through ball was excellent. So, yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a weird one. I think, like, once you just calm down, play a few passes, get used to the pitch, get used to this, that and the other, um, it looked more popular. Yeah, it looked a lot more promising. But, uh, but yeah, the start, I thought... Farnborough looked the better team um, for the first couple minutes, and then yeah, yeah, we sort of grow into it. And then obviously, when someone gets a goal back, is a bit of a bit of a bit of a sticky situation. But no, I've, I think uh, yeah, we dealt really well with it, um, especially the goal with Wits at the end, sort of capped it off just to relax, really, which was good. I feel like that's what you ever needed. It was nice to see Charlie Keeper back in the side as well. Yeah. Yesterday, doing those odds and sods that he does, and he does so well. He can go for a game without really noticing him, but doing so much in the process. Yeah, so I was like, I had the bird's eye view, sort of looking at looking over the pitch, and I did pick out a few times that Charlie Cooper was just so so crucial yesterday to the team. The way that he was just sort of sitting just in front of the defenders, he didn't even have to run a lot. He didn't have to yeah. run a lot at all. Just narrow, um, and just playing the passes, switching the passes, and I thought. He was one of the best players on the pitch yesterday without really doing much. He just yeah. sort of did the basics and just played played, played good football, realistically. So he was a bit of an unsung hero yesterday for me. Liam and Elliot, you've both, you've both given Sam Pearson a bit of a shout-out and he had a hand in all three goals, two assists, and I think they call it a pre-assist in uh, today's <laughs> footballing world for, for the last. Um, Fish, can I just come to you? How much of an addition has Sam Pearson been? Because he's not a traditional... Number nine, he's not a like-for-like like for Jake Hyde, for Ollie Thomas, for Reese Murphy. He's just his own sort of player coming in from Bristol City, a much higher level. But he's injected something into this side since he's joined us, hasn't he? Yeah, he's a great chap as well. We um, car shared last season when he was here. So we were actually pretty close from last season. Um, so I used to live uh, near Western Supermare. He was from Cardiff. Um, so we'd meet near me and we'd drive down. So um, he's also a really good human being as well um so it's nice to see when good people have success uh, on the pitch so I, need, I look at the clubs he's played for as well like you know last year was alone like Wimbledon massive side um and yeah he's come in and shown his quality he's he's sharp you know he's got good feet there's times when you think he you just assume someone might not get there or might not keep that ball in or he's just going to lose it because the momentum's with the opposition in a particular action and he comes out of the ball and um when someone is like that, you can trust your instincts as a forward a little bit more where you go, well, actually, I think he'll get out of this and then cross it. So I won't be on my heels. I'll try and anticipate where it's going, um, which, you know, I think lifts lifts quite a lot rather than getting a ball down the line and perhaps, you know, maybe losing it. Um, and then them attacking, you're, you know, you're getting throwings, you're getting corners, you're getting, you know, finishing an action, as the gaffer would say. So, um, yeah, I think he's been a fantastic conclusion. He's so quick, isn't he? He's so fast. Um, I I liked seeing him back in that wider position as well yesterday to sort of suit that. I think that, in my opinion, that's where he's really well suited is out wide, taking people on, getting the ball in and then getting it into the box as well. Yeah, he's got loads of attributes that makes him a desirable player for, for, for any club, I'd say. And yeah, I think he picked up some of his good qualities that you say there yeah absolutely we've um we've mentioned the pitch Alex just just how 
tough was it? They did some incredible work to get that game on. I think they had a bit of a family fun day going on. They had loads of people expected. They did absolutely everything they could to get that game on and huge credit to them for doing so. They had, I think, the highest attendance of the season by a, an absolute mile as well, not least because of Elliot and his crew making the journey. Was was the pitch tough to work with or, or was it just about bearable? Firstly, totally echo the sentiment in terms of getting the game on. And we did see a lot of games being called off as the day was progressing and even before. So, we, you know, it does raise question marks and the odd eyebrow when you think, are we going to be playing? Um, it was tough. They did the best. They, I think that was the best you could ever make that pitch, given the conditions that they've had to deal with. And yeah, massive credit to, to Farnborough. Um, I think they'd always want that fixture on, given the following that we would bring and everything that goes with that as a spectacle as a game, financially, all those kind of things. Um, but it was it was tough. I think if there was even a little bit more rain, that would have been quite difficult to to have played on. Um, I found it quite hard on the legs because you're using a lot more energy than you would think, just trying to get up to speed, just trying to make it, just trying to jump, trying to win a header, trying to hold someone off. Um, it is it, it does uh, sap quite a lot of energy out of you, um, and you can't quite trust the the, the ball sometimes. When Sam was playing that ball across for the goal, I was thinking, is that going to get stuck in a bit of mud and then I'm going to hit it off my heel and miss? <laughs> or is it going to come how it looks like it should come and just be normal? Um, so, yeah, another reason why I was grateful for the defender just stopping it for me. Um, but, um, yeah, the, the pitch and the conditions um, were actually quite difficult. And I think um, both teams actually gave a very good account of themselves. So I thought Farnborough looked, looked, looked good, and especially when they got their goal and, as Liam said, first couple of minutes and a spell after their goal, they you know they had good ownership over the game for those sort of four, five, ten, five, five, six minute spells. So um, yeah, it was uh, it was tricky, but it's the same for both sides. Let's just let's just talk about their goal for a second or two because it comes so quickly after our second. <sighs> Elliot, what, what were your thinking, thoughts, bro? Because I after all that elation, you see it's Alex Fisher's first goal, I'm over the moon, I'm chuffed, I'm trying to find a, a, a thing to tweet and all the rest of it, and then suddenly Pendlebury's bagged one in at the other end. It, just a bit of a, I don't know what the word is, a, a really frustrating moment, Elliot. What, what was the away end like? The away end didn't really care about the goal, <laughs> if I'm honest. Everyone, everyone was still too busy celebrating Alex's goal there. Um, I reckon at least half the away end didn't even see it. There was people like, oh God, they're kicking off. <laughs> is it 2-1 now? <laughs> It was genuinely one of those, you couldn't see down that other end very well anyway where we were. So um, even Sonny's goal, you couldn't, you couldn't really see go in that well. It was a nice hit, Sonny's goal, I must say. Um, <laughs> when their goal went in, it was bizarre because they had, they had a spell of five minutes or so mm -hmm. after it where they were a little bit on top of us. And I think Day makes a good save. They get a couple of corners in there as well, and they have they had some chances. Um, but I didn't put Daphne on anyone in that way and yesterday. I don't think anything could have. Genuinely, we could have come away with a draw, and I don't think anyone would have been that bothered yesterday. It was bizarre. On on the uh, on the Farnborough goal, every single throw in <laughs> that they had was incredible. Yeah. Um that's the that's the one thing I would um would really hype up about Farnborough. They're throwing, I think it was number six. Um, completely forgot his name, which is bad because I was doing the commentary. Um, <laughs> but every single throw-in was literally like a free kick. It was. It must have been playing. It must have been absolutely awful trying to defend it, especially to the latter stage of the game. 
the last 15, 20 minutes, I think Yeovil had all of the men back in the box trying to defend it because it was so... They must have been awful to defend because every single one of them was inch perfect onto the penalty spot, which is horrible. Every oh, week we go... Every week at the moment, we go somewhere where a team's got long for her. I'm sure that's just the thing, the whole way down the level... How how difficult is it, Alex, to, to to set up when you know that that's going to sort of come our way no matter what you do? They're going to get throw-ins, happens, and you've got to deal with it almost like a corner. How how odd is it have to have to have to set up like that? So um, something that's when you start to do their analysis on the next team, you'll know if they've got a long thrower. So we knew they had a long thrower. And the main thing they say is just don't kick it out for a throw-in within the <laughs> goal. It's quite simple, but there's times when you were defending. I think I put one out for a for a throw in inside the 18 yard box, distance from the you know about 15 yards out, because I couldn't risk putting it where I wasn't sure if someone was behind me and it gets blocked and comes back out. So um, often, yeah, the you try and um, squash any kind of momentum by just not giving them the opportunity in the first place. Um, so that's when when you are under a series series of throws and you can't quite get that territory again it is it's tough um but we're a big side so to be honest we would have expected to deal with it and sometimes after they scored and then they had a couple more throw-ins and you can hear the crowd getting up and you could feel the momentum building I have to say I never felt troubled I didn't think oh that's going to happen again and sometimes there are games when you go oh god this I don't feel too good this you know we really need to try and get some territory or get a foul up the pitch or just slow it down whereas I actually felt we were quite in control. Um, obviously, you don't get that as a fan. You don't know how we, you know, the the the, the feeling within the you know the group when you're on the field. You just see what's what's going on. But um, yeah, it's. I think it's a, from a forwards point of view as well, especially being taller. Um, the one thing I don't like about them the most is that it's an extra fifty yards to run back and then fifty yards <laughs> to run forward. Um, it's like when defenders come up for a corner, they've got to run back to the <laughs> back in. So. Um, yeah, and I think there's a bit of ownership on uh, onus on certainly myself and Frank and Wanners and yeah. uh, Morgs to to deal with those those moments. So um, the more you can limit them, the better. But um, yeah, the often a throw a good thrower is probably better than a good corner taker because you can be more accurate. You you talk about feeling comfortable, and actually, it, it's something that we've said so many times on this podcast throughout the course of the season. How much easier does it make it knowing you've got? that steady back five behind you in some way, shape or form. Cause you, we are going to go to places and they're going to have spells, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. They're going to have a threat. That's, that, that's the nature of football at any level, but the way that Smith, Wannell, Williams, Whittle, Joe Day, and then the guys that have come in and done their bits and pieces, the consistency they've shown, it must give the entire group and probably Elliot in the stands and Liam in the comms box, just so much confidence that we can deal with those things. Yeah, totally. The there's times that balls will go into dangerous areas, and you know this it's going into the strength of one of those players. So you go, oh, he'll deal with that. And worst case, it's a throw-in. Well, you know, it's not like it's going to end up. It, and it, it, it's the very rare occasion that it leads to an action against our goal. Hmm. Um, and I think I, I referenced it very briefly in my post-match interview that it's amazing to get the plaudits, and it's great to be part of that side of thing, but. You know, it's the side of the game that doesn't get the recognition, perhaps, that it. I think it is recognised, but you don't go after a game and say when you scored three goals or how was it defending the box in the last five minutes. So 
yeah that kind of recognition it's nice that you guys would notice it and um i think it's appropriate for me as a player to say it that uh it is it's it's a real i don't know how you call it it's not really a confidence boost because you you know that it's like um a peace of mind i'd say yeah you know you know like they're they're going to do their job and it's it's not just how they act it's what they're saying at the same time you can hear it they're saying the right things it's been well drilled we know what we need what we want to do when certain scenarios happen it's not like it goes quiet and it goes quiet you're like oh god someone needs to say something you know we're not sure what we're doing when everyone's on the same wavelength and shouting instructions that are all very similar to each other you go ah yeah we've got this and i mean that ball the law of averages would suggest say that yes they probably would have deserved a goal from how many throw-ins they had yeah. but it did require it to like just fall perfectly to one of the guys it's not like they opened us up rarely i think this season we've said has a a team opened us up and scored a goal where you go, wow, they had the better of us there. It's always been maybe a series of one or two of our own mistakes or something like that, where it's just playing percentage football. So credit to everyone involved in defence and um, uh, doing what they do, for sure. Liam, you you kind of portrayed that actually on air. You and Ian Randall, I thought, were, were brilliant at getting that message across that there were spells where we were under something of a cosh, but actually at no point did it ever feel completely drastic at no point was I ever on the edge of my seat wondering oh my god Farmer are going to score yeah I feel like I feel like it is the defence I feel like uh, Willow and and Wannell every everything that either goes wrong or right there's always a little fist bump or a clap it's the little things that really count and especially that you know you see Man United I'm a United fan it does, this is the one thing that does matter and they change centre-backs every week they bring off a centre-back in the 60th minute and they just can't gel but I feel like the gaffer's done a good sort of job. It's been hard, obviously, you know, getting rid of Staunts and stuff. And uh, Sendles White has gone and there's not really that backup for centre-back at the moment. Um, we've had a different players at Idahoan. But when you, when you, I think the gaffer's done a really good job of keeping them two this season. Because, like I said, it's, it really is just the small things. Like, you clear a header. I'm, they went into the, the second half. I, I watched it. And they had just had a little chat and just gave each other like a little handshake, just say, well done, mate, that like, great, great half. And I feel like if the midfield aren't doing well, if the attack's not doing well, like Fish was saying just a minute ago, it's not exactly is a big it's not exactly a big deal because obviously you know that you've got the back five which are top quality, to be honest. I feel like mm. one and the the back five could I feel like they're uh it could go on to big levels in uh, in football. Yeah, I think that back five has been massive this season. Yeah. You're absolutely right where you say about teams changing their centre-back partnerships every week, and that's the most frustrating thing as a fan. I think last season we were chopping and changing centre-back partnerships, just the back line every week. Now, if you've got to fit all of those five, including Joe Day, um, they're, the, they're straight on the team sheet, aren't they? You know exactly what you're going to get the minute the team sheet comes out. You yeah. Are, and, yeah, exactly. and then you've got someone like Jay Falston to come in and just do any one of about four different roles in that position. You've just got that bit of um, solidity. And, and as Alex touched upon, you just kind of have that peace of mind that 
at the very least, it feels like we're we're never far away from a nil-nil. I'm looking at the clock here, and I kind of want to move things on because <laughs> people are listening on match day morning, and I want to have a little chat about Avely because um, obviously it's slightly different being a 48-hour turnaround. And um, one thing that Mark Cooper said after the game to Ian Randall when asked if players were in on Sunday, he said, we haven't decided yet. I think we need to trust them. Alex, can you confirm, were you trusted to have a nice, responsible Sunday afternoon? Uh, yes, we were, we were trusted, um, and I hope that we'll be able to repay in 24 hours' time. The other thing he said was, I'm going to trust them to only have four pints instead of eight. How many pints did you have, Alex? <laughs> pints, so I, had a, I had a good couple of pints of water post-game, I'll tell you that. Oh. <laughs> got to, yeah, got to hydrate. <laughs> no, if we, um, if, we, if we can have potentially at the end of the season that we hope we're going to have, then... I think we'll reserve it for some time in April. Uh, for <laughs> now, we, we this will sound super cliche, but it's very much heads down. Next game, the biggest one. Something he said, the gaffer said before the game was, obviously we know we got a game Monday, but it, we don't think about that. You give everything for today. If you need to come off, you come off. If you can't play Monday, you can't play Monday. But we get these three points and we rely on our squad. Uh, to see us through, we have a you know a good six days before five days before the next fixture. So um, yeah, we uh, it's not easy going um, some, uh, Saturday Monday, but it's the same for them. And I believe if I saw correctly, they also had a couple sendings off. So you know they might have a slightly more fatigue. There's a couple of players there that know they could burn out because they're going to be suspended for the next the fixture after. But you know it's. Um, one of those sendings off has got five matches missing. It's his third red card of the season. So he's going to play against us tomorrow <laughs> and he'll have, then have five games off, um, which is absolutely bonkers. Um, so, again, th- th- we're, we're well into match day morning by the time anyone listens to this. So you're not giving away any secrets here, Alex. What does travel look like? You would have got home fairly late after Farnborough. You've had Sunday off. What are the travel plans? How early are you going to try and get to Avery? Is there a plan? Stop on the way just to stretch the legs? What what does that Monday look like? So we will, um, depending on where people are coming from, um, there are different pickup points along on, on the way. Mostly everyone meets at Yeovil and we will get on the bus and then we will have, um, we'll try and get there early. We'll try and have pre-match at the appropriate time and then we will, rest before the game and then you go in get arrived about an hour and a half before the fixture and yeah then it's then it's kind of it's game time but it's it's as it's as professional as you you, you could imagine it would be and all the all the right things are done I think they after the game on Saturday uh, they made sure certain shakes were prepared certain um, supplements were available because it's obviously 24 hours less than you usually get um Obviously, I haven't personally haven't played for a while, but you know, mid, mid early to mid thirties, you know, you, you do need these, you do need to tick the right boxes when it comes to recovery. So, yeah, we uh, there's no excuse for not going into the game in 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 good flow, and yeah, everything in terms of our preparation heading towards the game would be like any other away game. Liam, I should have I should have asked before we started recording. Are you at Avely in any kind of professional capacity? No, no, I'm going to have a. Gonna have a week off before uh, before I recover for Weymouth. I'm, uh, I think it's the first time this season Weymouth that I'm gonna I'm gonna go as a fan. So no, I'm not gonna go to Waverley. I think I've got Slough commentary, um, and then maybe Braintree as well. So hopefully, as a as a Glovers fan, who knows? It may even be 
the league may be done by then. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, but yeah, it'd be nice. Braintree as well. Uh, obviously, Charlie Wakefield's there. So, be good to good to see him. Um, hopefully, his injuries are all right. He's all right. Everyone's all right. Uh, Yeovil's all right. Hopefully, three points on Monday. Um, Elliot, when um, when the season began, I was probably one of thousands of Yeovil fans that thought, what on earth is an Avely? Um, but they've surprised a few teams, haven't they? They've put on a bit of a show. They're kicking in about the playoffs. They currently sit ninth, 56 points in what is becoming one of the tightest playoff um, sort of scrambles in any division in the land at the moment. Um, there's no sense that this is going to be an easy one, is there? No, I think tomorrow is a tricky one. I like you, Ben. Had never even heard of it as a place with all due respect to them until May when we were looking at the teams we might play this season and realised, oh, a team called Able have come up. I didn't even know it existed. I still had to go on maps again today to check quite where it was. Um, I don't think tomorrow is going to be an easy one. No, they're more used to that Saturday, Monday. They get those Monday week games. So it's it's more common for them. Um, they're probably not in the same form that they were in at the start of the season when they were an absolute flyer. Um, I think if we go out there and sort of play like we did at the weekend, we should be okay and we should come away with something. There's obviously another massive game as well going on in the league tomorrow night, which that was my next we may question. as well talk about Chelmsford Werbin. That's at, that's an absolutely humongous game for our sort of if we want to talk and we want to look ahead to if, when, whatever regarding winning the title the outcome of that game tomorrow could actually shape what the next month looks like for us. Alex, I know the party line and Sonny Blue Everton was perfectly down the party line yesterday when his post-match with Ian Randall, he said, we don't worry about other teams. We don't look at the other teams. I don't believe for one second, if tomorrow goes well for Yeovil, there isn't somebody in that change room that's going to have a quick glance at how Chelmsford versus Worthing went. Someone's going to have a look, aren't they? I mean, yeah, you look, you look at <laughs> you look at the fixtures, you look at the results, but um, I think a one of the overriding um, things that have been been said over the weeks is the closer we've got to this time of the year, the easier it is to get distracted, uh, and we've made a real point of trying to not do that. So obviously, the the gaffer's won leagues in the past; he knows what it takes to to you know he gets he's been he's been here before you know um and some of us might not have been so that kind of guidance is is pretty crucial so yeah we i mean i I would obviously i would check the results you know you do to see what happens um but uh not in a way that you go um oh god you know what what have they done and how does it affect us it's just oh i see they've got that result or they might have lost or whatever if it's um i don't know what a good result would be next next week but as long as we come away with a positive performance. Um, and I think this year, at this time of the year, it's more about, you want to play well, you want to score lots of goals, but it is about winning the fixture. So if you can go there and win the fixture, it just makes it harder for other people. It keeps that momentum going. And I think if you're the other teams, you go, oh, you over the one again. Um, and uh, yeah, we just like to focus on on what we can. Um, so yeah, I very much toe the same, <laughs> toe the same line as Sonny and the team. It tricky is, day for is. sorry, Ben. No, um, go on, go on. Now. Tricky day for Werbin though tomorrow, isn't it? Because that's their first game since their manager moved on, isn't it? Yeah, so he went to York, right? Um, yeah. I, I mean, for, to be honest, I don't really know what a, a good result there would be. Um, it would be Werbin winning, I think, looking at the table at the moment. Yeah. Probably because yeah. that would move Worthing to sixty-five. Chelmsford would stay sixty-seven, um, and obviously. 
our result, if it went well, would take us to 81. So it would start to open things up. I don't think a draw is particularly terrible either in that game. I think I think what Fisher said, and I think maybe what what we're hearing more and more of is if we win, the gap is 11 no matter what. Mm-hmm. It, it's that simple. And, and if we, how again, how many times have we said it on this podcast? If we do what we do, it doesn't matter. It absolutely doesn't matter. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It is worth noting, by the way, if anyone's read our website, um, it wasn't originally downlisted as a streamable game on National League TV. However, that has changed. It is now available as part of the midweek package. So if anybody isn't making the trip to Avery and wants to spend £9.50 to watch the game, they can do via National League TV. Um, usual commentary will be available, BBC Somerset and via Three Valleys Radio. But somebody wants to watch it and spend £9.50 for the privilege, they can do so. The clock is ticking towards 9pm. There's a couple of things I want to mention before we take the questions. Firstly, you may have seen the Glover's Cast has launched a very small range of stickers. Ian, uh, trying to raise a couple of quid to keep the... um, uh, the costs of running Glover's Cast and the website. We pay for the posh Zoom that allows us to go more than 45 minutes. We pay for hosting the website. So if you want to have a look at those, you're more than welcome to do so. And secondly, Chris, Green and White Goals Chris on YouTube is doing his charity uh, miles, doing great stuff daily, daily, every day in March. He's going to walk and run up to 140 miles, I think it is, um, for Samaritans. Um, and we all know what anniversary comes up at the end of March, start of April with regards to Lee and obviously other Yeovil uh, players and, and people that we all think of at this time of year. Good work for him. You can find the link for his Just Giving on the bottom of any of our articles. Right. It is time for, oh, no, there's one more thing. First Wednesday of the month is coming up this Wednesday. That means it's Glover's Pass Wednesday. If you don't know what that is, you're new here to the Glover's Cast. Every month, first Wednesday of every month, we speak to a former Overtown player and do it as an interview. Can I just say, if you've never listened to a Glover's Pass before, if you've never been on this little journey with us, this Wednesday is the one. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to give anything away. Please, 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 please make sure you are subscribed and ready for your podcast inbox to drop on Wednesday morning. We have been after this guest for a little while. We've been working secretly behind the scenes to get this guest on Glover's Past. And, well, we've only gone and done it. Let's move on to the GCQs, the Glover's Cast questions. Um, great to have you with us here, Alex. And uh, I'm going to fire the first one at you because actually it's a player-specific one, if at all possible. Um, it's from Twitter. I'll get the Twitter ones up first here. Mark Loveridge asks, why do some players cut holes in the back of their socks? Uh, I think it's to like restrict the chances of getting cramped. Um, it's like the compression of the sock. Um, I fortunately don't have very big calves, so I've never needed to do that myself. Um, I've never been. Who has the to... biggest calves? Um, oh, Coops has got quite quite good calves. One is is pretty pretty well uh, well built. Um, I'd say probably one of those two. Or Joe Day to be fair, he's a machine. Jeez. <laughs> but and how much? How, how much does Kitman Dan hate that he uh, gets all his socks wrecked first game of the season? That's a good question. I'll, uh, I'll ask him. <laughs> I'll ask him. I assume, I assume he keeps the same ones for each player rather than fresh socks every game. More importantly, though, how many uh, like players in DPL or whatever are now cutting their socks up and annoying the poor manager who has to oh, wash them yeah. each week? That must be infuriating. <laughs> 
Oh, awkward. Yeah, I bet, I bet a lot of the uh, Sunday leaguers must be going nuts. <laughs> Bring your own socks next week if you're going to be cutting them apart. Um, from a question for Fish to a question for the other two, if possible. This is from Robin Batchelor. Um, Elliot, Liam. Uh, Liam, this is one for you, actually. Have you ever been displeased on a personal level for one of our players to score as much as Alex Fisher did yesterday? It felt more <laughs> significant knowing what he's been through and how well he has carried himself as a Yeovil player. I'm going to embarrass some people over the next couple of minutes and I don't care. Liam, have you ever been more pleased on a personal level? Um, on a personal level, no. I feel like that is probably the, the proudest moment um, watching on for a Glover's goal, if, uh, if I'm going to be honest. I tell you what one does creep into my mind. It was the first one after um, Lawson Diaz's second long yep. injury when he yeah. scores in front of the Thatchers. That was a, a really, really lovely moment. I, I'd absolutely love that. I've got a feeling it was not quite an important goal. It might have been in a defeat or something off the top of my head, but but that one jumps in my mind. I was I was chuffed for Lawson after his long injury. Elliot, it's, it, it, was a, it was a really nice moment, wasn't it? And we've seen the outpouring of love on socials. Yeah, I've just seen something again flash up from my wife this meal, this evening on Twitter saying how she was <laughs> blaming her pregnancy hormones on the fact that she spent 20 minutes crying about the uh, goal this morning. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I don't. There's not been many special goals like that for quite a while. I think probably if I had to look back, I think there was one where Stano came back after he broke his leg. Yeah. Um, similar circumstances, quite a long time out of the team quite a while ago now so I've only got a very hazy memory of it but um yeah it was pretty special yesterday even even the end as well even the Adam Stansfield goal for Exeter against us yeah as just a moment as just a really nice moment refused to celebrate just put his hands up everyone loves that moment and and we do as well Uh, Andy Cleave asks um a question regarding things like um player of the season most improved player etc etc we're too early Clevo we're too early. We will do the Glovies at the end of the season. The Glovers Cast Awards will be back for another edition. That I can promise you. Um, we'll get to that in due course. Um, Jonathan Adams, what amazing hospitality can we expect to Averley? Hopefully they will just give us three points. It would be lovely if they would. Jonathan, I'm not expecting them to be quite that generous. If truth be told, it sounds like they might get a little bit feisty. Um Almost a pro pilot, who is Mr. Pro Pilot. We think he's got the pro pilot thing now. Um, what should we be expecting against Welling? And Alex, I, I know you go game at a time, game at a time, game at a time. But Welling are a side that are right down the bottom at the wrong end, but have actually found a bit of form of late, haven't they? Uh, back at Hewish Park, though, it's got to be a good feeling to get anybody at Hewish Park. Yeah, the I've noticed actually Welling have picked up. Um, they've got some. They've signed a couple. Good players and some experience. Uh, we noticed that when we played them away. Um, yeah, it's so like any game. It doesn't matter who we're playing. We go in with full respect for the opposition. Um, I think when teams come to Hewish Park, especially with the former in at home, it's quite hard to they, they'll sit in and quite hard to break down, and therefore it can kind of stifle sometimes the way we try and play, which is to draw teams out and, and, and manipulate their positionals sense by you know, moving the ball quickly from side to side and um, hurt teams. So, um, yeah, I think it would probably be a very similar fixture to what we've seen in, in previous games. You know, teams at the bottom of the table we played, who was it, haven't the other week? Mm. You know, it was, it was one, yeah, one nil. Um, you know, you'd expect a scoreline before the game to be maybe a little bit higher than that, but they make it very difficult. It's it's hard to clump to, you know, come to that environment and they, they pick up their game. So, you know, we have to match that and then produce more to to make sure that we come out. And I have to say, it's quite a record that actually the 
the team's picked up over the season. Um, to not slip up once at home is is quite remarkable, actually. Um, so yeah, expect is, that to be a tough fixture for sure. Is that is that a tangible target you've talked about to stay unbeaten at home all season? No, actually. But now that you say it, it'll be a heck of a feat. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's one of those things where I think you after a few fixtures where you sort of go, oh, actually, yeah, we yeah, we haven't we haven't lost so far, actually. Oh yeah, that's another that's another time we've won. And you feel comfortable at home. It's you know, you can play perhaps more of our game than you can when you're playing away from home. Um, you know, the surface a little bit better. It's like Avery, you know, the climbing artificial, they'll they'll know their surface better than we will. It's a it's a bit of an advantage for them. Um so yeah, the uh but there's not been any talk about seeing the season off. We just know that it's a, it's as good an opportunity to win a game of football as you can ask for as playing at home when you're in form. The last time we did it, not to put any jinxes on this, 2002-2003 was the last time we did it in league season, and I won't see it anymore. But those who know, know what happened that year. It wasn't a bad year, was it? Um, uh, Elliot, should you ever leave a match early? And I'll add here, even if the cider bar has been drunk dry. Um, Well... <laughs> I would, I would, yeah, I've done it a few times myself. Alex was talking about his uh, shot at Welling, the 4 1 loss, and we were already on the train back home that day because uh, <laughs> not the finest moment, but we thought we'd get the earlier train home when we went 4 1 down. Um, yeah, I mean, not when it's tight, definitely not. And uh, yeah, that was just one of them days. Going back to Welling, though, um, you should have a look at their head to head against teams in the top six because it's phenomenal. Like no, 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 no. We're not looking at that. <laughs> they don't no. do they don't do anything against anyone. But if they come to if they play a team in the top top four, just seem to turn up every single time. It's crazy. Thanks for that. Cheers, mate. <laughs> really cheerful. Thanks, bud. Really appreciate go, that. Go and check it out before Thursday, Ben. No, we <laughs> refuse to check it out before Thursday. Um, uh, Jacob May has asked a random question, um, but that kind of already has been answered. Um, uh, with last season in Dire Straits, the clocks and scoreboards on the screw fix were disappeared and replaced over time uh, by just a sponsor board. Uh, what happened to them, to the iconic scorekeeper boards? Um, they were damaged in storms, I believe, um, and got taken down. Um, they literally fell off the front of the stadium. And I think with the fancy new LED thing turning up on the back of the away terrace, I think they kind of thought, well, I'd rather sell the space for a couple hundred quid than uh, put them back up and go through them again. So genuinely, and I think a couple of people have replied, Glove actually said they got damaged in the storm and took down possibly for safety reasons. I genuinely think that was the case. Um, I seem to recall a conversation, and apologies for name dropping her, with Pat Custard, where she said something very similar of, we knew the new scoreboard was coming, so... There was no point in doing it again, um, and uh, yeah, so that's that's sorted. Um, that's that's right, the just quickly, just, just quickly say on. on that point very quickly. I remember playing a few years ago at Yeovil where the scoreboard got stuck on eighty nine minutes on a precarious. I think we were two one <laughs> up or one nil up, and I remember looking up going, oh, "At least it's eighty nine minutes." We've you know, and then I looked up again, like five minutes later, and it was still saying eighty nine. <laughs> Oh, where, what are we at? Because I really need to know what I can and can't do for these last few minutes. But yeah, I just, just thought it just made me think of it then. Yeah. Now we've got a flashy new LED one. We need to see your um, celebration gif up on the big screen now, please, <laughs> Alex. Uh, yeah, ASAP? It's, yeah, it's a little uh, little nod to the office for any David Brent fans. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's it on the X. Uh, is there any Facebook questions, Elliot? Uh, yeah, we've got nine on Facebook. Nine? Yeah. <laughs> Christ alive. Uh, first one, Ben, 
And Liam, I'll probably come to you on this one, which is uh, non-YTFC related, but thoughts on the Slough v Bath City abandonment. Slough manager not very happy with Jerry Gill and very much adding fuel to the fire. So this is obviously the situation that happened when the fan was taken ill at the Slough Bath game yesterday. Yeah, I did see that. We um, we got on the headphones about what happened. But after the, I drove back, stopped for a KFC, and I think I just got back and actually fell asleep. So I don't actually know what happened. I saw a lot of a lot on Twitter about things happened and a lot of point at Jerry Gill. I don't really understand it all. Yeah, it's all a bit strange, isn't it? First things first, we should say that Slough have said that the fan is okay um, and was okay and responding at the very least before the ambulance arrived, was taken away in an ambulance and was checked over and will be okay, which is great news. Um, I think there's a suggestion, and it is just a suggestion, that um, Slough were winning 4-2 at the time and I don't think Jerry Gill was overly keen on getting his bath side back out there. Um, bath City have been through some stuff, haven't they, with um, Fletcher, who had a really bad head injury, didn't they? And I, there's a part of me that wonders if there was players in that dressing room who have been through horrible moments and not knowing and stuff like that, if they're not in the right frame of mind to go back out there. And as a football club, we can attest to being through some of that quite a lot over the past um, few years, um, not more so than with y- yourself, Alex. You know, serious injuries happen and serious incidents happen. The fact that it's got a bit messy doesn't sit comfortable with me, if I'm honest with you, El. No, I don't think the uh, public slandering of one another. No. Very, could, n- no one really comes out looking okay from no. that. I think no. um, they should be able to settle it privately. And the ref said this, they said that. It's just it's a bit tedious already, I think. Yeah. Move on. Next question. I'll move on. Uh, we haven't got nine questions. Some of them are comments on questions. Oh, thank God. And one of them says, good luck on uh, your own, Ben. But oh, obviously cheers, there's Kevin. four I've, of I've, us today. I've got so. the cavalry. Don't worry, Kev. I've got the cavalry. <laughs> um. So we've got one that's uh, asked, which two teams from National League South and National League North do you think will make promotion and who would you like to see make it? I I have said previously I would like to see Bath get promoted in some way, shape or form because, and maybe Alex, I can bring you in here, those two games against Bath for um, emotion, for a little bit of local rivalry, for being important because they are promotion contender versus promotion contender. They felt like big games, and obviously it helps that we've come out on top in both of them. Mm, absolutely. The the home fixture, I was uh, on loan at the time, so I didn't I didn't see the the, the, the vibe at Hewish Park, but I can picture it from what the away fixture was like. And that that meant a lot to me, that away fixture, because it was my first start since, yep. my, since my injury. And, I mean, what... 1100 odd fans there like and it it sounded and looked like a lot more the way it kind of that's quite a deep stand that they have behind the goal yeah it was um you know i i can't uh comment on it as a fan having obviously you know playing for the, for the club you don't get to experience the, the step but i think that would be a good away fixture to to experience um so yeah if, if let's say hypothetically speaking that's one next year then that would be one that i think would be a really good one for for both sides and both sets of supporters I'd like to see him do it. It's a nice Christmas fixture, isn't it? In the yeah, league, it's Boxing where, Day sorted, isn't it? Yeah, there's probably not going to be many of them in that league next year. Boxing Day at Bath, New Year's Day at home, something like that. That would be quite nice, wouldn't it? Liam, any grounds you want to tick off? No, no not really. <laughs> yeah. That's a no. Excellent. Move on. Great. Uh, from the north, Tamworth are 
in a virtually the same situation as us. They need six more wins to be mathematically secure. We need seven more wins to be mathematically secure. And that is assuming that the second place team in both divisions is absolutely perfect between now and the end of the season. Scunthorpe are in second place there. I've got a soft spot for Scunthorpe. I like Scunthorpe. It was at Scunthorpe the season in 2012 where we went up there and absolutely routed them 4-1 with Gozi Ugwu. That was a day where I felt like something was happening and we ended up getting promoted that season. So I've got a bit of a soft spot for for Scunthorpe. But there's a couple of big names. That's Chester in that division. Um, I, I'm not overly worried about who go, does go up from the National League North, but um, Tamworth looks set. I'd be very shocked if Tamworth don't end up winning that title. But I've got a soft spot for for, for Scunthorpe. What's the, what's the worst long away day from Yeovil? Alex, you've done a, a fair few hours on coaches in the past. Um, I would say... One of the worst ones I experienced, not necessarily for distance, because you've had your Gateshead and your Carlisle's of the world, but we um, once played Grimsby away. Uh, we won one nil. Amari Patrick with a eighty oh, odd yes. minute winner. Um, we travelled up the day before, like you would for a fixture like that, and the traffic was so bad on the M5. It took four hours to get to Gordano. It then took. 45 minutes to get from Gordano just to the roundabout to leave the services. We must have got there at about 10 30, 11 o'clock. Um, and we kind of at the hotel that is the far end, and we kind of had that like siege mentality. We we're like, well, we don't use it as an excuse, and what a story it would be to come away with a victory here. At the time, we were playing out from the back, we'd had quite some success, and um, they deliberately didn't water their pitch to make it sticky, so it was like. Well, that's a compliment for us, but it also, you know, it does nullify a bit of our threat. So that all in one was one of the worst away journeys, but one of the best as well. Nice. Good story. Good story. Who do you sit with on an away journey, Alex? Uh, I'm with, um, towards the front with Joe Day and Michael Smith. Um, oh. the, oldies, the oldies table. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird saying that because I've always felt, I'm always pretty, feel feel like I'm 15 years old, but. Yeah, a few grades started to come through on the hair and, um, yeah, now sitting closer towards the front of the bus. <laughs> and and he just gets to listen to Michael Smith's dulcet Northern Irish tones. Imagine being able to get sit oh, there the whole time. Like, I could I listen to that. about his international career. I think the guy's such a gent. Like, he's, 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 he's too modest to ever talk about it, but I try my best to poke some uh, anecdotes out of him. Oh, yeah, I'd be che- I'd be chewing his ear off the entire time. I'm sure. Um, who do we want to see come down, or who might we see come down from National League? I think Woking are bang in trouble. Oh, they are in trouble, aren't they? And I I had them pre pre season bit of my Darren Sal loving. I think has has done me over, but I thought they were set for a really good season. But yeah, it looks like they're in a spot of bother. It looks like unfortunately Oxford. Alex, maybe I can come to you here again about Oxford. It's such a tough ask for any team that's that's jumped up, especially in Oxford's situation. You went there for a month and played a couple of games and tried to add something. What, what's it like there? Are they having a tough time? They are. I mean, I was there as also when I was about 15, 16 years ago. So um, yes. I know the club from, from a growing up around there. And it's a small club. It's a really community-driven club. It's the sort of place that when we turned up for one of the games in the evening, we couldn't go on the pitch to warm up until the kids had come off it and the goals were put to one side, you know, that kind of thing. Like it's, and it's really in a nice way, like it's a really warm place. It's really inclusive. Um, and I think they perhaps had maybe a bit too much success too quickly. 
um it's hard level to compete at when you're part-time um and the finances involved that come with that and um i think if they had their starting 11 intact for the whole season they'd have done all right but they had so many injuries especially in the last couple of months i've seen that i'd say like eight or nine of their starting 11 haven't been fit um for pretty much at some point all season there's always been a lot of the core that got them to the level they're at so i think it was a tough ask for them to stay up um and i think it's odds against now given the games they've played but it's it's i think it's such an achievement that if you're from the area to say oxford city oldham was a league fixture this year 10 years ago you'd been like what the hell like so yeah like real pride and admiration for for, for the club for, for what they've done and um yeah when i was there i saw so many good signs to think that they're now i wouldn't say they'd established themselves just yes in the National League, but in the next five years, I think they'd like to think they'll be back there and staying there. Amazing. I think that, I think there's probably, they're a little bit out of it, but there's probably about six or seven who could be in that sort of yeah. relegation so, battle looking at it. South End, South End are 12th. They're only six points off the drop. With mm. this many games to go, they're still in the mix and they obviously had that 10 points taken off they're on 45 they should be on 55 that would put them eighth it's, it's incredible how tight the middle of that division is you've got Chesterfield running away with it at one end and Oxford it looks like falling short down at the other end but everything in between Woking 38 to South End 45 all feels like it's one good run that's all it is it's one good run and you get between the two uh then our final question is regarding us allowing teams back into the game when they went 2-0 up. I think we've addressed this throughout the podcast already. However, I want to add a little bit of a stat to this. So when we've been in the lead this season, someone's done his prep. been at least 1-0 up. Um, I think there's only one instance that where we've been winning the game where we've gone on to not take at least a point away from said game. Um, and I believe that was Welling. I don't believe there's any other circumstances where we've been in the lead at a game and, and lost. Um, that's how we play this season, I think. I think you should get pretty comfortable with it. And um, we even showed in that Western game the other week and what Alex mentioned earlier, we can defend our bit box pretty well if a team gets one of those goals and gets a little bit lucky um, where we're not putting ourselves back in trouble. I don't know if anyone wants to add anything well, else to it, I but... I was going to ask, actually, Alex, because th there is a frustration about when you concede the goal after you go into a good position of 2-0. But I imagine that frustration is felt none more so than within the group itself, right? It's all well and good us getting frustrated that we've conceded a silly goal or switched off for half a second. But you're feeling that 10 times more than we are, surely? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I can't really add to that because you do. Um, when that ball dropped and you knew we couldn't get there first and the guy's got a chance of having a shot from seven or eight yards and it's chances are it's going in your heart sinks be oh just got two goals ahead you know we were comfortable if we just saw out another five minutes the game's really and I think <laughs> this is probably puts me off ever going into management <laughs> because <it's, laughs> at least I've got a chance to go and do something to rectify the situation on the side you're relying on you know your work up until that point which is usually very very good so you know you know a system's in place but yeah, we. I think there's been a couple of fixtures where perhaps uh, we've met the heart rate of the fans and staff maybe go a little higher than it needed to be. But, um, you know, it was a little bit of excitement. So, 
Just do it to make it. Just do it to make it even, don't you? Oh goodness! I mean, I wish. <laughs> That's why goals like witches, though, is so important. Yeah, yeah. There's still six minutes of extra time. You know, I thought there might have been three or four, but six. You know, that's a chance for, I mean, uh, well, anyone could score a couple of goals if momentum does swing significantly. So, um, yeah, no, it's. I agree. Yeah, apologies for all fans that get put through the ringer a little bit, but um, <laughs> we don't mean to do it. <laughs> we, yeah, it's it's not deliberate for sure. Let's let's think about wrapping this up, Alex. Um, Avely, today, as people are listening to this, you'll probably be on a coach heading that way already by the time people are downloading and, and listening to this. Um, you're all up for it. You're all feeling good. You're all feeling fresh. You said afterwards the best recovery is winning another game of football. You're all bang up for this game tonight, aren't you? Absolutely, yeah. We got a quick turnaround, an opportunity to deliver a positive result for, uh, for the Lord fans that are either joining us live there or watching on on the uh on the stream um and yeah it's it's another opportunity to get three points closer to our target so yeah really positive everyone's feeling good everyone's had a good sunday i imagine of good rest and recovery ready to get stuck in on a on a good monday night and there's only one thing that makes a documentary about recovery better than one goal and that's two alex so we'll have another one please if you can i'd love that my goodness yeah Liam, thank you so much. Firstly, for getting hold of Alex and saying, come and join us on the pod. And secondly, thanks for your coverage of the Farnborough game. And thank you for joining us this evening, mate. Oh, my pleasure. Honestly, my pleasure. Um, Like I said, I saw your message and I was being with Fish for like 15 minutes, just chatting about the goal and sort of how brilliant um, the game was sort of thing. So, yeah, my pleasure. Elliot, thank you so much for stepping in and co-hosting duties there at the top of my screen. Really appreciate your company as well. I know you had a cracking day out of Farnborough, as did the missus as well, Jess, which uh, I know means a lot to everybody. Thank you for your company, good man. I think I'll just add that the 650 Yeovil fans probably needed a lot of rest and recovery today as well as the entire team. Uh, I'll leave you with one final anecdote from yesterday. Uh, we started in one pub. We all then flocked to another and... By one o'clock, they'd run out of cider. So uh, <laughs> you can tell it had been a good day out if they'd run out of cider in the taps in the bar. Yeah, we'd definitely been in town yesterday. Thank you so much for having me today, Ben. And thank you both for joining us as well. Alex, did you um, smell of cider when you came off the pitch after that goal celebration got a bit close? Yeah, I got quite a lot. I got quite a lot on my, in my hair and in, on my kit. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, was, no, it was good. It was good. I saw Frank had a little sip or something. As well <laughs> um, I love that. I think that's great. That's a bit of personality behind the celebration. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. And Alex, the biggest thank you goes to you for joining us. Thank you for that goal. Thank you for Farnborough and preemptively, thank you for Avely and anything else you can offer us between now and the end of the season. I really appreciate your time this evening, mate. Uh, thanks so much. And can I just quickly say as well, because I have had a lot of outreach on social media to anyone that's listening. Um, like it's hard to get back to messages. There's quite a few that have come through and um, hearing some of the sentiment you said tonight as well, Elliot, and um, I'm really humbled by it. And I'm, I'm very grateful that you guys have made such a big deal out of it. I feel a bit, um, it's a team game. It's a team performance. It's a team win. I've had my personal moment, which was, was really nice. Um, and I'm really grateful for everyone that's reached out. And thank you so much for, uh, for everyone that's 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 got in touch um but i'm just just delighted to be part of this great club and just be a cog in the machine that's hopefully you know moving on to some positive things in a few weeks 
Alex Fisher, the nicest man in football. That's all for this evening's Glover's Cast. Thank you very much. Go well to anybody who's heading to Aveley later on this evening. We'll be back on Thursday with the full compliment ahead of another home game at the weekend. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Glover's Cast. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Forrest backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil.